0: Welcome to I'm So Obsessed, where we get the inside take from actors, artists, and creators on their work, their career, and the things they obsess about. I'm your host, Connie Guillermo. You may know actor David Arquette from his roles in Never Been Kissed and the classic horror series Scream. He plays Deputy Dwight Dewey Riley. Or you may know him as part of a family of notable actors, which includes his sisters Rosanna and Patricia Arquette but I bet you didn't know that he's also extremely serious about professional wrestling. A publicity stunt with World Championship Wrestling for his movie Ready to Rumble in 2000 led to his being crowned the World Heavyweight Champion, a move that many wrestling fans were not happy about. I talked to him about how wrestling has taught him to love himself and about two other movie projects he's worked on, which have both been released this year. Oh, and we also talked about returning to make Scream 5, and about his obsession with costumes, sequins, capes, and all. A quick note, because of COVID-19 and shelter in place, our conversation was recorded over the internet, so be prepared if the audio sounds a little bit quirky. Well... Thank you again, David Arquette, for taking some time to talk to us. I'd like to thank
1: you. You guys cover all the things I'm interested in art, entertainment, technology, science. Beautiful.
0: Well, you play in all the stuff we're interested in, which is why we're (laughs) thrilled to talk to you. Um, But I wanted to start by just asking you, what are you doing in quarantine?
1: Oh, man, it's been a wild quarantine. I have two. Uh, young boys, three and six, with my current wife and a 16-year-old daughter with my ex-wife. And we moved in the process of quarantine. So toward the beginning of quarantine, we uh, sold our house. We packed up these pods that they drop off at your house during the first part of quarantine, put all the stuff in it, shipped it out, got the family, flew them out, unpacked <laughs> and they got an apartment in LA that I could come back and forth and see my daughter. So it's been a productive, uh, but very bizarre time.
0: Well, that's pretty ambitious to try to move. <laughs> During yeah, the I,
1: also, I also did a film. We produced a film in, <laughs> with HCT media at the beginning, like right after we moved uh, I went off to do a film that we were producing with those guys uh, in Arkansas. So one of the first films that shot during COVID, that was an experience as well.
0: Well, I, okay. I don't know about that film. I, yeah.
1: I'm, it's called I'm... Ghost, Ghost of the Ozarks. We shot it in Truman, Arkansas.
0: And what is it about?
1: Uh, it's about this town in like the 1860s that is sort of a, it seems like a utopian society it's all within a a wall protected by this wall and there's the fear of these ghosts that are out there but then all the town really sort of obeys what the ghosts sort of set forth it's just a, a really interesting film
0: all right and okay you filmed it at the beginning of quarantine so like what was that like
1: We had to sort of make all these changes, and it added a lot to the budget to make it COVID safe. They put everyone up in a hotel uh, on the same floor, provided three meals a day for them. They got blood tests at the beginning of the week. Everyone wore masks on set. We took your temperature right before you went in. We sort of followed all the guidelines from national government and just sort of got it done. We're, We're really lucky that we were able to do that.
0: Well, this has been a big topic of discussion, right? Whether um, films can be made and what the protocol is going to be like. Not just films, but TV shows, all sorts of entertainment. Nobody's going to movie theaters right now to watch them. What What right. do you think about how easily or how difficult it's going to be to get the whole entertainment industry back up and running?
1: I think it'll uh, find its way. I, you know, writers are writing quite a bit and... Uh, animators are animating quite a bit. So first, you know, editors are editing what, what has been shot. I think it might give some life to projects that might have had a harder time finding a home. A lot of things are available now that you can just release them completely at, uh, you know, on demand so people can tune in through their phones or on their computers. And So it's just definitely a whole bizarre new world. But I think everything finds a way, you know, People are really resourceful, and I think also this this too shall pass. You know, it'll change everything forever, but um, but we'll figure out ways to deal with it.
0: Do you think it'll change in a good way? I mean, there's concern that people who are at home binge-watching, watching stuff, right, on demand, wherever, you know, all these services, might not go back to the theater. You know, theaters are expensive, night out to begin with, you know, already.
1: Well, Drive-in theaters are now popping up all over the the country. Those are really big. Uh, there's a real resurgence in that, so it's cool to kind of see that come back. I I tend to look at things and I'm more positive. <laughs> I try to keep it try to keep it positive because if you go down like the negative road, it's so sad. I can't even like for a second think about everybody that's lost so many people and how that reverberates in each family. How painful a death is. So. The fact that there's so many people that are suffering and all of this, it's just a real time for us all to reconnect with our families and sort of figure out our personal traumas and and deal with our issues. That's what a lot of this has been about too. It's just sort of coming to terms with my issues, my my major issues in life and kind of uh, figuring out how to deal with them in a positive way and, and, not making choices that are sort of the same old thing.
0: Which, well, that's a perfect segue to the movie that I just saw, or I saw two things that you've started. in. But the first one is You Cannot Kill David Arquette, which is a look back at your career and your involvement in wrestling. And, you know, there's a lot of different ways to look at that film. And one of them is about you setting that record straight, about actually your view of wrestling, that you do respect it, and that it's important. but Why don't you you just tell us a little bit for people who are maybe not know the story. I think you were quoted as saying that part of this was because when you did all of this stuff, there wasn't the internet. People didn't really understand what was going on and it's misconstrued.
1: Well, I did a movie 20 years ago called Ready to Rumble and it was this big movie with WCW Warner Brothers and and WCW was owned by Turner at the time and there had just been some Deal made, so they did this film, and it starred all of these, uh, this, all of these wrestlers from a, a, a competitor to WWE, WCW, which was a big wrestling organization. And to promote the film, they had me come on, and they made me the champion. And we thought it would be more like a, like a funny storyline but people really got upset. So upset that they've been hating me and bullying me for 20 years. So I mean, literally 20 years of like the joke, you know, I'm the, you know, the, the bottom, <laughs> bottom of the barrel. So I just kind of got sick of people saying that about me. I never really had an opportunity to train. I didn't really understand why they got so upset with me. And uh, I wanted to pay my dues and go out, return, or just learn to wrestle for the first time, really, and go on this journey. And that's sort of what the film's about, this journey to redemption. I wanted to clear my name, and it took a wild turn, and it was a really, it's an incredibly painful sport, and it's incredibly uh, rigorous on family and relationships and body and mind, (laughs) every aspect of your being is challenged. But uh, ultimately, I learned a lot about myself. And what I really learned was that it ultimately was always about, and this is funny because it's something that we all know. And and then it's like, oh, but I've, I've had this knowledge before. I've known this. You know, it's something we all try to do but uh, I still wasn't doing it. But it's, you have to love yourself. That really is the bottom line. You truly have to love and care for yourself. (laughs) And then when you read something, like a hate tweet or something, it doesn't hit you in a part of your soul that you've been beating yourself up about as well. So it doesn't resonate anymore. So if you're able to sort of, You know, I read a book called Love Yourself Like Your Life Depends On It, and it really had a profound effect on me, and another book called The Untethered Soul. Both of those books talk about sort of creating new neural pathways and understanding the voice in your head and not like giving it as much power or uh, importance as I was at least.
0: Well, you talk about a journey of redemption and discovery and self-discovery for yourself, but it's so much more than that. I, I have to say, I, I think it was quite brave of you not to just, you know, face the demons over this that obviously that you've been wrestling with for I'm wrestling, that's the wrong word, but coping with. But you were you put yourself through very rigorous training to get in shape, which was not yeah. a trivial thing. And um I think at one point you said. Some people think wrestling is fake, right? Very stagey, but it's actually quite highly choreographed. There is an art form to it, and you, I, I saw a quote where you said it's you're telling a story without dialogue, which has to be all in your face and your reactions and your moves, and it's really an intricate thing. And you was, I mean, you almost lost your life in one death match, which I was like, really yeah. it was hard to watch. When you talk about like coming to terms with it. <laughs> Like, you seriously have gotten over it, right? Like, you know that whatever mistake you made with promoting your movie, this should more than make up for.
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. I wanted to make a love letter to wrestling and sort of let people know what wrestling is because a lot of people kind of scoff it off. And, you know, The Rock's one of the most successful uh, entertainers in the in our business. And I just think there's a lot of guys like that. Like, why Ric Flair doesn't have a... Like a show on on CBS or or uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin. If he's if somebody doesn't make a buddy cop film with him, they're just crazy. <laughs> These guys are like amazing talents, and they're so hilarious, and and they have a fan base that would just follow them anywhere. So it's just little things like that. But I really did like I mean it with all my heart. The real lesson was personal. It was just a personal like. A feeling of accomplishment, but also uh, learning how to respect and love myself. It's, a, it's crazy, but it's it's so important because I just could then trace almost all of my behavior in the past to things that would I do to either sabotage myself or just reinforce this sort of thing I was telling myself. You know, for instance, like I I wasn't able to read very well as a kid. I had dyslexia and it was really embarrassing that one teacher had me come up in front of the class and like make me read and I'd get so like, like everyone was laughing like the whole thing. And and then someone had made me feel stupid recently and I just got this rage inside of me that was so, you know, just overblown for what was the situation was. And I was like, wow, I'm getting so angry about something that's not really, you know, that important really uh, to take personally like that. And it's all connected to the, that kid and that feeling and that stuff. So when you start going and addressing that stuff you start building these new neural pathways that you can send, you're not stupid. You're, you're smart. You you're think like no one else, you think you start understanding the importance of the way you look at things. It's, it's almost like they said, I wasn't good enough to be a champion. What I figured out is we're all champions. (laughs) You're the champion of your world, I'm the champion of mine, and it goes on like that. So we then have to start treating each other like we are all these noble beings because what we're doing now it seems is that we're kind of attacking everybody and everybody's in this sort of frenzy. It
0: just goes back to what you said earlier which is you take an optimistic view of the world. Let me ask you about just a few other things. Uh, You're a fan of, I I read, If the Internet is to be Believed, Horror and Slapstick, and uh, Buster Keaton. What's your favorite Buster Keaton film? Why Buster Keaton?
1: Buster Keaton, I don't know. He's just, uh, you know, my my great-great-grandfather was uh, Augustus Arquette and Millie, his wife, and they were both in vaudeville. They did this whole sort of real down and dirty vaudeville show in Toledo, Ohio. And then my grandfather, Cliff Arquette, who played a character named Charlie Weaver, kind of made it out of that and traveled doing kind of slapstick music and then made a transition into radio. And then from radio, he got to television on the Jack Parr show. And it's sort of like this, I don't know, it's a connection I have to that. All that stuff. I love Laurel and Hardy and Harold Lloyd and, you know, uh, Charlie Chaplin. All that just old school humor, Three Stooges. So it's stuff like that. I don't know. I just have a fun connection to that. And then as far as horror films go, I don't know. I always loved the, the way a horror film can make you scared. There's something so interesting about that. And that's why I think I like comedy, too, because it's, you know, in the same way, it can make you happy or like laugh and have fun and make things light. I just, I hope like, well, personally, what I'm planning to do after this, I I mean, I am going to do Scream 5, but uh, my own personal projects, I'm looking for things that bring some light to this world because it's just pretty dark at this moment.
0: Well, wait, tell us about Scream 5.
1: (laughs) Well, Scream 5, I signed up for and Courtney Cox has signed up to come back as Gail Weathers. I played dewey in those movies Mm -hmm. and then um we're just waiting to see if neb campbell comes back we have some amazing directors that directed uh ready or not are doing it and um wes craven uh, has passed so it's sort of a carrying on of his legacy but uh it will be the first film without him at the helm and uh but kevin williamson was involved in the script but it's a it's just uh, i don't know it's a you, As an actor, you kind of look for projects. You do a, a ton of projects. I mean, we do – I'm like a working actor. My father was a working actor. So we just – a lot of the time you just work to stay busy and, and pay bills. And a lot of the stuff – like I've done a few movies that have never even come out. I just don't even know what happens to, <laughs> to them. Like somebody just misses – loses them and just, you'll never see them. But, uh,
0: well, we've all seen Scream and – yeah of course
1: oh yeah my (laughs) yeah my point was you really look to do things that entertain people that you know as they have a connection to i love when people say like oh i saw that when i was you know a teenager i was you know it had such an impact on me and so sort of tap back into that and i think they're gonna do it really really do it justice because ready or not was a really fun film but I did want to talk about *Spree* for a second because yeah. it just came out today, and it's a—it's uh, really an interesting film. And talk about tech; it was all shot on on phones and GoPros, and it's all about social media and a kid's obsession with getting followers and going down a really dark path to do it.
0: And he's a ride-hail driver too, right? Yeah,
1: he's a yeah, he's a ride-share driver. He- for a company called Spree, and that's what the film's called.
0: And what is your role?
1: I play his really dysfunctional father who's a narcissist and a drug addict and just kind of dismissive of him. And You know, we did this one day where me and Eugene and Joe Keery, the the lead in it, uh, we all went out and did this sort of bonding exercise where we sort of developed our characters and we're shooting stuff on the cell phones as if we're going out, I've been bugging my son to go out. And I always think it's like kind of a pro you know, so inappropriate when the dad kid, like dad kids, dads and their kids go out to a nightclub is a weird thing. <laughs> like parents, that party, you know, that whole vibe is just kind of crazy. So, uh, so it's kind of that. And we, we had all these like improv moments where he'd say something and being a father, I'd want to, like, give him sound advice, but then I'd have to instantaneously, like, what would a bad dad do? And then I'd be like, ah, don't be a pussy and blah, blah, blah. Like, <laughs> it was such a jerk. So it was fun, though.
0: Well, it's definitely going to make people rethink uh, when they can go back to getting into rideshare cars about taking oh, yeah. that bottle of water. <laughs> and I'll <That's> just <laughs> try <right>.
1: Exactly.
0: <laughs> I'll leave it there without too many uh, spoilers. so um this connection that you have comedy horror i mean your first if i remember correctly you directed a, a movie that was kind of a horror <laughs> thriller a comedy yeah. wasn't it the tripper
1: <laughs> yeah it's called the Tri- tripper it's only like available on dvds uh of like amazon or something but it was uh based on this idea i had it's sort of a political satire b slash mo- slasher movie it's a uh, called The Tripper. It's a play on the Gipper. It's about a, <laughs> a man who's obsessed with Ronald Reagan, a killer who's obsessed with Ronald Reagan, attacks hippies at an outdoor music festival. Yeah, <laughs> it just kind of bananas. It really could have a great sequel. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, it's Joe Harris that you co-wrote it with.
1: Joe Harris. Yes, yes. I love Joe Harris. He's a fabulous writer.
0: Um, You also worked on another movie that I had uh, the pleasure of seeing, which was very quirky, 12-hour shift. Also, not horror, but crazy. Um, Yeah, very very
1: crazy. Yeah, (laughs) scary, crazy. That's at Fantasia Fest. Bria Grant is an amazing director, writer who did that. We filmed that in Arkansas as well. My wife produced it with them. And um, yeah.
0: You have a small role in it. But it's do. it's important. You you. I I don't think this is a spoiler to anyone. It's about a nurse at a hospital who's not doing maybe the best things in order to earn some extra money on the side. And you play a a, a prisoner who's brought to the hospital because you know you you need some medical attention. And you get loose, and then your your story kind of <laughs> weaves in and out of the other stuff that's happening. What did you like about that movie?
1: Well, I liked uh, that it was a female director, a female writer. Uh, I like that, uh, you know, my friends were producing it, that we were producing it in Arkansas. We're trying to bring filmmaking to Arkansas and to other parts of the country, so it's not just sort of based in Hollywood. It was... uh, you know, it's one of those films you do. It's really down and dirty. I was able to get Mick Foley, in it, an amazing wrestler, to have a really cool role in it. So that was fun. One of my goals after this wrestling thing is to try to get wrestlers different jobs on films, and hopefully, if it can help them get in a union or two, it would be really amazing because they don't get insurance. If we could set, if I could set something up where we could get people insurance, unless we get universal health care, which would be in line with the rest of the world. <laughs> it would be nice. But in the meantime, I'd love to be able to try to get some of these wrestlers health care because I don't mm-hmm. know how they do it. Like all the, the injuries. I got got injured so many times just in the short like couple years I was doing it. It's- well, like I said, there's a scene where a uh,
0: fight where you almost – got killed uh, there 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 that yeah. was not stage blood yeah. <laughs> that was not that stage was blood not,
1: <laughs> no no and that was not staged either that was my fault i did something that i learned i'll never do again you have to always stick to the plan even if things go wrong and uh Things go south, and things were going wrong and going south. Well, you have to stick to the pen, because I pulled his legs, and then a light tube came down and hit me Yeah, I'll I'll
0: leave that for the audience to go and look up that scene and watch it themselves. But, uh, uh, okay, a couple things to ask you more. Again, I read this on the internet, so I don't know if it's true. Are you really a certified Bob Ross and painting instructor?
1: I I certainly am. I am trained to teach how to paint happy little trees and fluffy little clouds. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's been really fun. I took it because we had an idea to do a show about painting and, and interview someone while I teach them how to do Bob Ross. I always thought George W. Bush would be an interesting person to interview because he likes painting, just to see where his head's at with art. I mean, just him about all art-based. Um Yeah, it was uh, something I went down and I trained. It's a three-week course you take in New Smyrna Beach, Florida, and you teach with people that have trained under Bob Ross, and you learn a technique, a curriculum, I guess, that uh, he put together himself. You get all these fun stories about him. But what I really use it for is uh, to do it for charities. Like, I can go and offer that up. Uh, as something that people can bid on for different charities and it usually gets a good thing or I can go to like corporate events and teach like a room of 40 people as like a company building uh, mm-hmm. uh, culture building exercise.
0: Do you like to paint landscapes? I mean you must if you're doing that.
1: Uh, <laughs> they're fun <laughs> you know they're fun. Bob Ross style is a very landscape based. it's it's a it's designed for people who have never painted before to be to paint something that they're proud of and, and that they like. And his whole idea was like, everyone's an artist. So he wanted to create this thing to get people painting. And that's what I really love about it.
0: So is your, is your house decorated with your landscapes?
1: No, not so much. <laughs> I, I do collect art. I've collect art. I've collected art for a while. But um, yeah, I, I started as a graffiti artist, and that's sort of where my <laughs> passion still is.
0: All right. Well, that makes a little more sense for somebody who's also, I have to ask you, into video games. You've you've appeared in video games, (laughs) voicing even yourself. What do you like about video games?
1: Well, video games are just really a great medium of great, like, uh, it's, I mean, the kind of technology and the art and the uh, creativity and the writing and and the the constructing of these video games is just mind-boggling. It's so fun I mean there's just these great worlds you can be a part of I have to admit I don't have much time for it anymore but um when I do get into like a game I love that's always fun it's kind of hard to because some of the games I would prefer to play are are probably more on the violent side so I can't play those in the house with my kids so I, it's kind of a you end up kind of not ever playing them really <laughs> but uh <laughs> But when I do, I mean, I love the sports games. I just love, recently signed up for one called Quarry that we're sort of in the middle of when all this stuff happened. But they've already done the thing where they scanned my whole body, and uh, scanned my face, and uh, did all these things. So we're, we have to do some more. Very cool. Yeah, it's really fun. I wanted to see if I could get the the art from it, like all the digital information. And then uh, at my funeral i could have like a puff of smoke and then i could have my big like computer generated face come up and say don't worry i know you're sad now but i'm still with you i still love you i'm in your hearts now
0: well that's that's planning really into the future there, but um, well, maybe never by know. then.
1: You never oh. know. This this whole thing could be over in a snap of a finger. I've had too many situations. I mean, I, I may be very much like a cat. <laughs> 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 I just don't want them to run out.
0: Well, like- wait, how many do you think you've used up?
1: Oh, I've, no, I've used up two, and I'm sure I've used up more than that.
0: Well, let's hope not. Let's hope you're only at three or four. We'll give you that.
1: But at five or six, I still have four more to go. That's fine. Especially (laughs) if I've calmed down so much that I literally don't do anything dangerous anymore. But I don't know if if that's (laughs) even a reality.
0: So we're a tech site and I have to ask you the tech question. I mean, you're into video games. I know that you're into some of the culture things we're into, but what's your favorite piece of tech?
1: I, I love like I love the tech on new trucks and cars and stuff. I'm like, come on, bring on the self driving cars, even though it's gonna affect our economy in a way that and they should listen to Andrew Yang about some of the ways to combat that. But aside from that, I think we should all just like start, you know, commuting places. <laughs> like make them like our you know, they're they're gonna become like little living rooms. The so people can Drive across the country and take a nap.
0: So that's that's your. If you could uh, have any tech, is that what it would be? Just a really great self-driving car.
1: Yeah, like a self-driving '70s van.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, a self-driving '70s van. Okay, got it. Well,
1: just the shell on top of whatever these fancy cars look like.
0: <laughs> that's great. All right, last question for you. What are you obsessed with?
1: Well, I've always been obsessed with costumes. It's part of the reason I thought like rock and rollers can dress one way. Actors are expected to dress in a more subdued way. But it always bugged me because I would like to wear crazy stuff. And so that's why I think part of the reason I became a wrestler. So now I can wear anything I want. (laughs) Like if you see Macho Man or... um, Jesse Ventura, like you literally can wear anything you want. And uh, so that's freedom for me. But I guess I'm obsessed with costumes.
0: So uh, Halloween picked out for you then this year? Or are you just going to go to the closet?
1: I can always go to the closet, although now that we moved, stuff's everywhere and I'm not even sure where it is. But um, I can always dress up three or four friends if (laughs) they need it. I always have two or three costumes for the season with my kids I'm just like it's like costume heavy uh, my wife gets very upset at me cuz I I sort of buy toys and stuff not like normal people <laughs> so I always like want to get a costume or a to- I'm like a kid where it's like I like them having it because it's like we're all playing with toys. <laughs> you know, it gives them toys. I was like, I'm trying to explain to her. It's it's not the toy, and it's not the giving of the toy. It's the hour or two, if you even can get that much out of a toy, is what you're looking for. All this like quarantine time, as far as the parents been like, how can you? Uh, waste as much time as possible with as little tantrums as possible and, like, tire them out. Like, the whole thing becomes this game of, like, how can you occupy them, their imaginations or their, (laughs) their, you know, sense of humors or whatever it is. Like, how can you get them just out of the cycle of, like, just the continuous groundhog day vibe
0: so wait so you're wearing costumes playing with costumes or are you making costumes yeah. like with duct tape oh. you know how people can make entire wardrobes oh, yeah.
1: with duct. tape. oh yes <laughs> we have made some costumes we made a robot we made a iron man we made a bunch of stuff like that
0: that's, that's fabulous well that's definitely the first time i've heard anybody spending their quarantine making costumes but what a good idea David Arquette, thank you so much for taking time to talk to us. It was really fun. And good oh, luck with you. your costumes, your filmmaking, your video game, and your landscapes. <laughs> really appreciate
1: it. <laughs> I appreciate it, too.
0: Thanks again to David Arquette for talking with me. And thank you for listening. We hope you'll take a moment to subscribe to I'm So Obsessed on your favorite podcast app. Until next time, be safe.